0: Welcome to the Teach Us podcast, a place for Australian teachers to tell their stories and hear from passionate educational program facilitators across Australia. Happy listening. Good afternoon and thanks for joining us again this afternoon. Um, I'm Julie and I've got Heidi with me here today. Um, Hi. Um, first of all, um, we're about to interview Brad from Mount Stromlo Observatory, but I believe you've got some really good um, information in his bio. So do you want to read that out? I am actually going to, because normally we just say, oh, you know, here's
1: whoever, a teacher from Queensland, but mate, I can't, <laughs> I can't say these words, so I have to read them. So here we go. Um, Brad's got an incredible bio and a career, but link our link to him is his involvement with school groups visiting Mount Stromlo Observatory. So Brad Tucker is an astrophysicist, cosmologist at Mount Stromlo Observatory. He's leading programs using the NASA's Kepler Space Telescope and TESS, T-E-S-S, to understand why and how stars blow up. He's also building a network of ultraviolet telescopes in the upper atmosphere, a search to find planet nine, as well as issues surrounding the mining of asteroids. Are you keeping up? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Brad has developed a series of astronomy coins with the Royal Australian Mint, consulted on science fiction movies. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. Been featured on TV specials and is currently writing his first book. Wow. Oh my
0: goodness. Wow. So we've got Brad on the line today and I've been a bit excited. We met Brad at the end of last year at an education summit and um, oh, he just got our attention, didn't he? So um, hi, Brad. Do you want to say hi to everybody?
2: Yes. How's it going?
0: Yeah, good. Was that accurate or do you need to add some more to that?
2: Do I need to add some more to that? I, I mean, I, I like a good explosion in space. That's always, you know, that's always fun. Um and, you know, I think that's kind of the, the cool thing that's going on is there's, you know, space and astronomy is such like a huge growing area and there's are so many cool things to do that I don't say what we're doing is science fiction because actually what we're doing is now past what science fiction predicted and that's kind of the really cool wow. thing uh, that we get to do and actually that kids get to experience when they come and visit at Mount Trumma.
1: Do they really? What do they get to experience?
2: So, you know, the great thing is we are a working research facility. So at Mount Stromlo, there's about 160 people uh, that work up there, engineers, scientists, astronomers, and all sorts of people. And those are actually the people that run the school program. So myself and other PhD students and researchers, these are the people that help out. And, uh, And so we allow them, you know, a glimpse into that world. So, you know, they show up. Uh, we do some activities with them, and then we show them the, the facilities we have. You actually get to go to the lab where we're building satellites. Um, and, you know, in fact, if it's on a good day, you can take a selfie with the satellite. That is completely acceptable at our workplace. Wow. And, you know, and then, and then you get to see some of these things that, you know, were you talking about? We actually, you know, you get to see the very first space telescopes Australia ever built. We built them at Mount Stromlo. And now, as you said, we're trying to build similar ones, but these float on giant balloons. Um, in fact in you know in some school programs school kids can actually visit during the day and start building an experiment that we can fly for them. And of course we, we use the telescope so you can see the rings of Saturn with your own eyes and, and the gas bands of Jupiter and if you're lucky you get to see the te- the telescope that shoots a giant laser to shoot things out in space.
1: Wow, that sounds amazing. So Brad, if school groups are visiting during the daytime, what do they actually? get to see, because in my head, Mount Stromlo Observatory, you would need to go there at night time, but that's not so?
2: No, that's right. So, I mean, most of the programs we do host at night, you know, know, the great thing about Canberra is, well, you know, it closes at five. We are quite open after five. So, you know, our peak hours are in the evening. That's when we're bred to exist. But um, if you come during the day, we have lots of groups that come during the day. We don't do the stargazing portion, right. but we do, you get to see the research labs and the telescopes and the, and the satellite building. Um, there's some projects you can build. We do some hands on activities. We actually have literally the oldest thing that we've ever discovered in the universe.
1: Wow. So, what is that? Yeah.
2: So the Earth and the solar system is about 4.6 billion years old. However, about 51 years ago in Victoria a meteorite landed and it's now been dated to the scientists at ANU to be over 7 billion years old so it's actually not even from the solar system and we have it in the display for the kids to be able to touch
1: wow how big is it
2: so it it fits in the size of your hand it's very small Um, and that so we have segments that are broken up so we have one segment like this you can actually touch it and then we have some kept for research purposes so we don't get contaminated but We also have some meteorites that weigh over 250 kilograms. Wow. So the the rule is if you can carry it, you can keep it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's our policy up here.
1: I've heard that they're really, really heavy. Is that right?
2: That's right. So, you know, when you see a a shooting star, it's actually only about the size of a grain of sand or a small pebble. It's actually not very big. Wow. Yeah. Because they're so heavy, they're traveling so fast, they burn up the nearest atmosphere. Mm. So the bigger they get, um, the brighter they get. You know, so sometimes you might have seen a really bright meteor or fireball. Those yeah. are maybe the size of basketball. That's it.
1: Wow. I did not know
0: that. That's it's quite so, you, know, you would think they'd be quite close then if, the, if they, we're they seeing do,
2: you're, Yeah, and, and we do when they're they're starting to burn up near nearest atmosphere. It's just that, yeah, it's never that big. And that's kind of the surprising thing is these things are – so heavy and it's actually one of the reasons why we're interested in looking at trying to land on asteroids to mine them because they have huge amounts of metals and resources and this is in fact something Australia is going to be working with on NASA is how to robotically mine and explore things on the moon and asteroids this is going to be a bigger growing field over the next 10 years that the students who are going to come in their visits in the next few years when they're a bit older can actually work in those fields
0: that's incredible mm. um So we talked a little bit about day and night programs, but I'm assuming, you know, if there's, if it's a cloudy day or a cloudy night, or a cloudy night, yeah, what are you going to be doing um, at Mount Strombo?
2: That's right. Unfortunately, we don't have a way of destroying the clouds (laughs) yet. Um, We're we're working on it. Um, I'm sure you are. (laughs) So, um, you know, at least we get to see a tour, we get to see the facilities, we build some activities. So replace them of that stargazing portion with some more hands-on things. So, yeah. you know, there's so much to do. You can actually spend four to six hours up there. Wow. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of content more that we can always make sure there's something unique and, and educational for your one- to two-hour visit as you come up to us.
1: So, Brad, what does a typical day at work look like for you then?
2: Just like most teachers, paperwork. Um, but... <laughs> There's a lot of paperwork, let me tell you. Um, but there's it's a great thing because there's so many different aspects that we're working on. You know, so I I uh, have a lot of students that I work with, and so sometimes looking at images taken from a robotic telescope last night, um, planning observations on a space telescope. Um, you know, there's a lot of people working in the lab building and developing those things. Um, so in fact, a lot of our work is actually during the daytime because you spend actually so little time at a telescope and either it's remote or robotic so we can actually control telescopes remotely from pretty much anywhere in the world so we don't have to be at the location wow. uh, or looking at things in space so it makes it a little bit flexible and every day is a bit unique hmm.
1: that would be so interesting it's not really like my day at work let me tell
2: no. you <laughs> no, not at all. And, and, and this so... is what we're all about sorry, I was say this is not what we're all about when, when people come visit is actually get that experience and see what it's about, uh, and get a, a true feeling, a sense of, you know, the cool things happening, not just here, but all around in Australia.
0: Yeah. And, um, you have a link to NASA. That's right.
2: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I, so I've worked on the, what's called the Kepler space telescope. So this is one of NASA's space telescopes. Um, now the cool thing about Kepler, um, well, it's, well I guess not cool thing. Um, but uh, it actually slightly broke. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, it's okay. These <laughs> things happen, and it was well past its lifetime. Now, so space is three dimensions. Now, in order to point in space, we build telescopes with these giant, essentially, kind of like pendulums, reaction wheels. Now, the telescope had four because uh, yep. there's you know three dimensions, right. uh, but two of them broke. So we had to figure out how do you use a kind of broken space telescope. Mm-hmm. Well, what we did was we actually were able to use the wind from the sun to push it like a sail in space.
1: Wow. Wind from the sun. Yep.
2: Yeah, so the sun has wind. It actually blows ah. through space. In fact, you can see this sometimes. So if you've ever seen the Aurora Astralis, yes. this is actually wind and light from the sun blowing through space and slamming to Earth's atmosphere and lighting up the, the Earth's air at night.
1: There you go. I've learnt another new thing today. <laughs> hey, Brad, what science fiction movies have you worked on or consulted for?
2: So so probably the biggest one um, was in the latest Alien series, Alien Covenant. Oh,
0: wow. <laughs> I
2: can't, so this I was, can't watch um,
0: those movies. that are a bit too scary. Yeah, so look, <laughs> it, look,
2: the, the, the second half of the movie had very little to do with me. Let's just say that, the, the first part. But the cool thing about Alien Covenant, so as a consultant on it, but even some of the engines of the ship and the way the ship is moving, it was actually modelled all around real types of new um, rocket and propulsion engines we're building at Mount Trump Observatory. Wow. So things we're literally building in our labs that the students get to see were incorporated into that film.
0: Wow. wow. What an honour to be, you know, asked to help be a part of that and make something happen
2: it was, re- it was really cool, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a nice way of, of showing that, you know, the, the things we really are doing are really out there and we can paint world ways of, of doing very far out ideas, but also finding ways of connecting that and showing it to general audiences and yeah. making it fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's it- about as relatable as I can get
0: (laughs) (laughs) astrophysiology and (laughs) very impressed so getting back to our school um programs at the moment museums and things aren't open to school groups so um if we speak outside of that normal you know arena what are you offering to schools at the moment is there somewhere they can find you online can they look at stars through I don't know what have you got happening
2: so that's exactly right. So we're actually doing a series of talks aimed at different education uh, levels. Uh, so it's streamed through Facebook Live, and then we keep the recording on so oh, you can watch it and download okay. the video. Yep. So we're so over this time, we're trying to do two to three talks uh, per week. So the same people who would, would host you in an evening visit are doing these talks, myself and others. Mm. Uh, and then we'll be running monthly public stargazing nights, and we'll be doing it virtually. So in fact, I have oh, a specially wow. built camera. That I'll connect through a telescope and we'll broadcast it. So almost as good as looking through it with your own eye.
0: that's amazing. And so primary school groups and secondary school groups visit. So are they um, all to suit all age groups?
2: That's right. So we we suit all age groups. So we have things tailored to primary all the way down to year two, all the way through those year 11 and 12 students. Awesome.
1: That sounds great. We'll grab the details of that afterwards and we'll put – links and things in the description on this podcast so that teachers can find that resource and also parents yeah. and students can find that resource and yeah, um, great and be able to watch those
2: That's right because we don't want the excitement and learning to stop in the, in the no. time and, you know it's trying to find ways of connecting and that's kind of the great thing of astronomy and space is you can see in the skies from anywhere yeah. and so trying to, to tell what they can do and see and and build that into people
1: That is true I hadn't mm. thought of that Hey Brad how many people ask you um, what your star sign is?
2: <laughs> a lot. So, <laughs> the difference oh, with an astrologer is astrologers make money. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's
1: right. That is oh, so funny. That
0: is funny. Hey,
1: um, just before we go, are you able to tell us a fun fact or teach us something?
2: So uh, I'm gonna am I'm gonna teach you two really really interesting facts. So one,
1: yes, where does space
2: actually begin? Do you know? Oh, there's is a very it, specific height that space begins.
1: Is it one mile above the earth? Above the earth's crust?
2: Not no. quite. You're on the right track. A hundred kilometers.
1: Ah, oh. kilometers. Yeah, one. one, one was a kilometer. bit close, wasn't it? <laughs> it is.
2: Yeah, but why? why do you think it's a hundred?
1: Because it's easy to remember? I don't know. <laughs> That's uh, the answer. Is <laughs> it? Are you serious? Oh, I you completely am today. serious.
2: That is the real reason. Because the that Earth's is atmosphere so extends for like 2,000 kilometers. You can't use gravity. So there's actually a legal definition of space. Everyone said, let's just make it 100.
1: Wow. wow. And so is that like... Um, international waters like is that a a recognized thing so if you're inside 100 kilometers then you're in a country's airspace but then if you're outside of 100 kilometers above the earth then it's anybody's
2: you know, that, that's, <laughs> yeah, that is exactly right. And so the laws change. As soon as you move that 100 kilometer mark, you have to follow the space treaties and space law. Wow. And so that's the way we designate, just as you say, with international water. So it's a very similar thing. And, and actually, there's this whole big area now in a science called space law, trying wow. to deal with the issues of space as we do bigger and bigger things that weren't originally designed for when the treaties were signed 50, 60 years mm. ago.
0: I remember you talking about space law when we saw you, because there was only two people in Australia that are space lawyers and they lived yeah, together.
2: So cute. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the cool thing. I remember and, and, that. And, and, that's, and, and that's the true thing. And that's the great thing is as mm. these issues become bigger and more, it's not just students interested in science, but law, you know, mm. combining these different fields into one. Now, my other second fun fact yes. is what animal has been the most in space?
0: Oh. Monkeys.
2: Not even close.
0: Not even mice. Rats? No. Dogs. <laughs>
1: Ants. No. Uh, I can't flies. Think I don't know. Animal, animal.
2: Jellyfish. What what? <laughs> exactly. There has been sixty thousand jellyfish in space. Oh,
0: Why? How does that work?
2: So they were uh, they weren't like just like floating around. <laughs> um, so they were a tanks. Um, so they wanted, So this was an area called space medicine, seeing actually how the human body and physiology changes in space. So they bred jellyfish because when jellyfish are born, they, like, they reproduce quickly, like right. rabbits, right. and they right. reproduce a lot. But the key with jellyfish is they actually form crystals in their bodies, and this actually helps them act as buoyancy. So this essentially tells them up and down. Oh. So they bred these generations of jellyfish, and then they brought those baby, baby jellyfish back down to Earth. And they couldn't swim properly. They had formed differently in space. Wow. And so there's this whole area of trying to understand how space affects the human body, health issues, and those sorts of things. So it's this huge area. And so to do this, they bred jellyfish in space.
1: That is amazing. Mm.
0: I have learnt two fun facts today. Very good. Hey, Brad, I've got a little funny fact for you.
2: (laughs) All right, all right.
0: So um, I don't know. How did you ever remember the the what the um, planets Planets. in order from sun outwards I don't know how did you ever remember that or you
2: just did? Uh, you just did, didn't you? I just did. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Did
0: you ever hear that? Did you ever hear that?
2: Um... The, I know. I, I do know there's some mnemonic devices. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah yes. So mine was um, my very elderly mother just sits up near Pluto. Obviously, Pluto is the furthest planet from the sun.
2: And, oh, that's. Um, true. I remember um, as a kid we were used pi as Pluto, but yeah, it kind of really ah, throws it off.
0: There. Yeah. There you go. Anyway,
2: so I still how does remember an that. Pla- how does an astronomer plan a party? No, I don't
1: know. Um, You plan it. Uh. Oh. Oh, Oh, that is so funny. Hey, Brad, thanks so much for talking to us this afternoon. We – We just loved hearing you last year and we know that the programs there at Mount Stromlo Observatory in Canberra are fantastic for school groups. So we wanted our teachers to hear a little bit about that um, and to hear from you and to to become interested in it because I think you are someone that makes um, all that space stuff sound very interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No so, worries, it's my pleasure. And, and that's right, you know, when you're thinking about coming for your visit to Canberra, we are, we're definitely the thing open after hours, so please come yeah, visit us.
1: Exactly, that's perfect. So we'll put some details um, in the podcast so that people can find those resources and things. And thanks again for your time, Brad. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Oh, mate, that was just so interesting. Brad is a very funny man and yeah. a great communicator. He he's intelligent beyond anything my brain can even understand. And it was, but he's so good oh. to talk to. Um, so I hope you enjoyed listening this afternoon and um, leave a review. If there's something you want to hear more of, that's great. Let us know and we'll see you next time. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>